This is Carrie and Michelle, and welcome to Raising Your Consciousness. This is a space to raise our consciousness and reach our full spiritual potential. And that's through spiritual, esoteric, and even magical practices. We're here to bring happiness and meaning back into your life. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Carrie and Michelle. Today's episode, we are going to talk about suffering and how to stay connected to the divine, even when we are in the middle of great suffering. And I wanted to talk about this because earlier this week, the world woke up to this terrible tragedy in Turkey and Syria of this enormous earthquake and this humanitarian crisis, an extent of suffering that is difficult for us to even contemplate or imagine. And it would be easy in times like this to really doubt the existence of the divine. And I want to talk about how we stay connected to the divine in times like this. I think this is such a beautiful subject that we're going to be talking about. And also, too, I think even addressing why we suffer, Mm -hmm. that is also another question that has been asked for years and years. Yeah. For as long as there's been humanity, we've asked this question, like, why do we suffer? And especially like, why do good people suffer? Right? Why is there this suffering in the world? And, you know, in the the light of this awful disaster, it got me thinking again, and I was looking for spiritual guidance. And a Christian friend of mine, you know, directed me to the book of Job in the Bible. And I know, Michelle, you you know your Bible very well. Um, but for those who need a review, the book of Job is about a righteous man named Job. And he's living his best life for a while. And then Satan comes and talks to God and says the only reason why Job is so righteous and worships you is because you give him all this stuff, right? You, you've made him prosperous. If you take away his stuff, if you make him suffer, he'll turn from you. He'll talk bad about you. And God's like, no, no, no. I'll, you know, Job is going to be on my side no matter what. And I'm paraphrasing here. It's a little different in the Bible. But when I first heard of this story, it made me think that finally, we're going to learn why God allows suffering. There's going to be a lesson here. But in the end, I find the book of Job to be extraordinarily frustrating to read. I don't know. Are you familiar with the story? Yeah, I'm very familiar with the story, but I'm curious. Why do you feel like it's frustrating? Well, okay. How to say this politely. Um, But it does seem like, you know, God and Satan are in this dick measuring contest and poor Job is in the middle of it, right? He gets punished needlessly. He's always been a righteous guy. Like, he's been a good guy. And then because Satan, you know, comes along and says, well, you know, if you make him, if you torture him, um, he's not going to be so righteous. Of course, like the, the great thing about Job, he is truly righteous and he never strays. But it's frustrating to read because, you know, I don't want Job to suffer. I don't want anybody to suffer. And maybe the frustrating thing for me, too, is like trying to understand how to stay so convinced of of the divine light when there is so much suffering in the world. But what is the end of the story? Do you remember the end? 
No, but, I don't remember the end. Okay. I'm so just like, I'm all hung up on. You're hung up on this? Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, in the end, he stays connected to God. Mm-hmm. He doesn't deviate. And he continues to worship and serve and pray and be good and do good things for others, no matter what kind of suffering he had. What ended up happening was God gave him even more in the end. And wow, I'm getting chills from that. (laughs) Yeah, his reward was like double what he had before. And honestly, I see this story as more of a metaphor. I don't Mm -hmm. see it as Job actually suffered. I see it as more of like a story that is teaching a lesson about what happens. And as long as you're, you are staying strong in your belief that the rewards come. So, you know, we've been talking about Damien Eccles a couple of times and using his story, for example, he was so persistent and he stayed very strong in his practice and, and worship and, you know, channeling that divine energy. And in the end, Look what happened. Okay. He got released from jail. Okay. He's not on death row anymore. But look at what happened. His rewards. This man is very famous. Mm-hmm. He's written a lot of books. I'm sure he has a lot of money now. And all of that suffering, he ended up gaining this big reward. In the end, he got rewarded for everything. I mean, he can live a very peaceful life the rest of his life. And, but I think that there's a message behind all of this is that no matter what happens, if you stay in that space, you're going to end up being okay. That there's always good things that come from bad things. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's always a lesson and there of growth and there's always a lesson that is going to move you to another level. Every time that I have suffered something, I learned from it. And most of the time we're so caught up in the problem that we don't look at the lesson. And we yeah, and I, I am completely guilty of that because to be honest, like in thinking about Job, I totally forgot that he gets restored at the end. Like all I could focus on in thinking about the story was his suffering, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was just that was the only thing that came to me. And I was even like kind of feeling like a little, you know, a little angry, like a little bit like why, why are all these bad things happening? And that sense of powerlessness and without thinking about the end. And I think in the middle of suffering, it's very difficult to think beyond it, right? Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of suffering in my life. Mm -hmm. And I feel like through all of that, if I was to reflect on all of it and say, would you change that? I would say no. In fact, one time I was meditating and I thought, you know what? I'm going to do this whole going back in time. Oh, yeah. Exercise. And 
I brought my guardian angel with me and he says, okay, let's go look at some of this stuff. And I looked at this pain that I was going through. And then he said, but that pain brought you here. And this is what you learned from it. And I said, okay, well then I don't want to change that. And then he brought me to another one and I looked at that and I said, well, that brought me this. I don't want to change that either. And as I went through all the different things that I have suffered in, I ended up reflecting in a space of being grateful mm-hmm. because all of that brought me something more amazing. And mm-hmm. as you know, I went through a really hard time about a year and a half ago or so. Mm-hmm. I had somebody really hurt me. You were betrayed. If it's, was, not, if it's okay for me to say that, that you were, yeah. mm-hmm. you were betrayed. And that's, you know, that's right. betrayers. You know, well, that's the last circle of hell is reserved for be- people who betray others. It was basically an ultimatum that I was given that if I wasn't, if I didn't get on board and do something that I thought was morally unethical, mm-hmm. that they were going to cut me off. And this person was providing me a lot of like referrals and a lot of financial benefit. Mm-hmm. And I had to decide whether or not it was worth it. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately I see that as a test. I had to choose between success, financial gain that had a cost yeah. or take the chance of losing my business and taking the moral high ground. Yeah. And I prayed about it a lot, Mm -hmm. but ultimately I said, you know what, Lord, if this is the direction you want me to go and this is where I need to be, then I'm sorry, but I, I would rather suffer financially than to take that road of literally pulling a piece of my soul and I chose to go that direction. And there was a good solid six months of struggle. Mm -hmm. I depleted most of my savings. Um, It was almost a, it was a six months of struggle and a good year of pain (laughs) financially. And I got to a point where I had completely depleted all of my savings and I was like, okay, to make a decision where I'm going to go from here. But let me tell you what ended up happening from this is I developed so much strength and inner power within myself and knowing I don't have to depend on somebody. I am much stronger than that. Mm-hmm. I don't need somebody to send me referrals. I can do this on my own. I am strong enough. I'm smart enough. I can do this. And I did. And I, I'm going to tell you the the latter part of that year, just in a few months, I made up for what I didn't make, you know, eight or nine months. Mm -hmm. And I was mind blown. Yeah. By how fast it came when I finally just completely submitted. I mean, I was sitting scared for a while and then I, I literally submitted and just trusted and boom, it all, it all came back. I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna 
give in. I mean, there was a point in which I said, I'm going to have to go get a real job. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? I'm going to have to go figure out like work at McDonald's or something. I don't know. Go get a small apartment or whatever. I I was really scared. But then Mm -hmm. I said, you know what? I've lived in that space before and I can do it again if I have to, because I am not giving up a part of my soul mm-hmm. just to have a financial gain. And, yeah. but then I also stepped into another space after that, where I said, I can do this. I can make this happen. I can, and I can use all the magic that I know and I can use all the faith that I have and all the power that I've accumulated and I can make this happen. And I did. Mm-hmm. And it is way better than it ever was mm-hmm. before. And so there's a there's a lesson in this, I see, you know, yeah. when it comes to that kind of suffering. Now, let's talk about um, that kind of suffering that you talked about in the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. where people, you know, are hurt through tragedy, like mm-hmm. earthquakes. Yeah, incomprehensible, like act of God, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of going along with this whole thing. Why do you think those things happen? Well, this is my my whole struggle. Um, just the the unfairness of it is hard for me to wrap my mind around. Like when, you know, when bad things happen to me and, you know, we've talked privately about our, you know, some traumas that we've experienced growing up and and I like you have come to see those experiences with gratitude because I wouldn't be who I am today or where I am today without having had those experiences and so it seems like it's like I'm able to wrap my mind around like my own personal suffering what's harder for me to wrap my mind around is like the sort of grand scale suffering of others or even like even taking away like the idea of this earthquake, like when you see somebody you love get sick, right? And, you know, suffer. It is hard to accept. Like it seems really unfair. And I'm not sure how to transfer the feelings I have for being able to accept my own suffering to accepting other people's suffering. I feel like in my own place, it's like, okay, I can understand there's a lesson for me. But I don't want others to suffer, right? And I don't don't know, Michelle, I have no answers. I am unwise in this area. I don't want other people to suffer either. Nobody Um, does, right? Let's just look at this from a spiritual perspective. Let's just wipe away our own personal feelings from this completely. And let's just look at the reality of the spiritual energy around it and the ultimate conclusion, okay? These physical bodies are not who we are. No. Okay. It's just a shell that we're inhabiting while we are here to learn something. It's just a shell. Mm -hmm. So if we come into this world to learn something, Perhaps that particular thing that we needed to learn was to feel what it feels like to suffer. And let me let me just kind of preface this on something, okay? So I read this beautiful story about Buddha. Mm-hmm. It was really probably one of the most profound books that I ever read. Mm-hmm. And 
it was talking about how his father, he was a king, and he had this kingdom, and he built all these walls around his kingdom so that everybody in this place only saw beauty and prosperity and riches and glamour and a whole yard, nine yards. And a seer came to him and said, you're going to have a child who's going to be the golden child. So he was in the middle of fighting these wars to keep people out of his protected space. And they were coming up to the walls and he was concerned about that. And so he believed that his child was going to be the next king that was going to battle these people trying to destroy his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is that he's trying to train his child to be this person. And he says, so you got to marry this woman and you have to have these children because they're, you know, you have to do all these things. And eventually what ends up happening is after he married and he has a couple of kids, he ends up seeing this door that was open and he sees these people right outside the door that were starving and old. And he had never seen an old person before. Mm. And so he's like, who is that? And who are those people outside? And why are they suffering? And these guards say, you're not supposed to see this. You need to get away. And so he moves him away from it. And the night he sneaks out to go see what's going on. Mm. And when he does, he sees these people suffering. And he's like, what is suffering? I don't know what suffering is. Mm-hmm. I've never felt this. Why are these people like, why is this happening? And so he travels, he starts, he just leaves everything and he mm-hmm. starts traveling the world and he's trying to figure it all out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, this person's suffering and this person's suffering. And I just don't understand what is this about? And so one day he decides that he's going to suffer himself just to see why they're doing it. Why is mm-hmm. this happening? So he starves himself to death. To the point where he's almost dying and a guy comes along and he tries to help him and he's literally like frail and dying and all this other stuff. So he goes and he feeds him and gives him water and he asks him, why were you doing this, man? (laughs) And he goes, he goes, because I wanted to feel what suffering was about. And he said, well, you don't have to suffer. And so (laughs) So he's so confused. Mm -hmm. He decides to sit on a tree and he meditates for five years. Now, you know, this is all a a metaphor. It's all a metaphor. I don't know how much of this is true. We do know Buddha existed, but how much of the story, just like all the stories of Job and all that other Mm -hmm. stuff we talked about, how much of it's true. But there's always this metaphor behind it. So anyway, he goes and he sits on a tree and he meditates for five years. And then finally, he connected with God. He got all the answers. And then he went and he started preaching and teaching to all the people about how to avoid suffering. So the whole Buddhist religion is based on avoiding suffering. Mm-hmm. And when we're looking at that, and we're looking at this from a spiritual perspective, kind of, you know, narrowing back to what I was telling you, is that the only way that we can understand something and we can grow from it is to experience it. So 
we always choose what our lessons are going to be and who we're going to be born into and how that life is going to sort of be planned out prior to our birth. This was something our soul decided to do. All those people that are there, they were part of a collective amount of people who needed to experience this thing to grow spiritually. They chose this. Mm. And I know that's a hard one to swallow. It's like, who would choose that? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And it's so hard. It's so hard. It's so but hard. Maybe they needed to experience the gift of accepting love or accepting health mm -hmm. or to grow past this or to overcome something. A lot of times we can't learn unless we experience. And that's what we do. That's why we're incarnated so many times is because we're here to learn something. Mm -hmm. If we lived a life of pure bliss, we would never really understand and be able to be appreciative of beautiful things. I had a client once that had a son who was, who was um, in college and he drops out of college and he starts hanging out with all these drug dealers and he's hanging out with them and doing all this stuff. And she said, you need to help him. <laughs> he comes to me and he, you know what he says to me? It, it, it absolutely blew my mind. He said, I live in this perfect house. Both of my parents are doctors. We have so much money. We have everything. I have never known suffering in my life. These people know nothing, but yet they're more real than my parents. Mm. And he wanted to experience these things because he wanted to see what real was. Mm -hmm. Because he believed that you can only really see your true self when you don't have all this fluff in front of it. Like, what am I like if I was poor? Mm -hmm. Who am I? And that's where we really get defined. Mm -hmm. We don't know who we really are until we experience tragedy. Mm -hmm. We're either going to run, we're going to hide, or we're going to fight, mm -hmm. or we're going to forget that we're suffering and start helping other people. All those things are going to define us. You will find that in the midst of all of that, you will find people that have just lost their house, that are over there trying to help other people, even though they've lost everything. Mm -hmm. And you'll find other people that are crying and staying in a space going, help me, help me, who won't do anything to help themselves nor help anybody else. Mm -hmm. You do not know who you really are until you suffer. Mm. And this defines you. And so you're asking this question about why we suffer. We're suffering to find out who we really are. What are we really made up of? Mm -hmm. And then how can we grow from that? Does, mm -hmm. does that make sense? I'm sorry, I got a little. No, no, I like, honestly, I wasn't sure where we were going to go with this podcast. It was just, um, you know, something that's been bothering me. And what you've said is amazing. Like, it's really beautiful. And um, I'm so glad that we talked about this. Um, I'm finding your words very helpful. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. It's true. So I think there was a reason why, like, I knew in some way I had to talk to you 
about this to kind of wrap and, my and there, mind. Well, there's so many things that you can get from suffering. Mm-hmm. You can learn how to accept love. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people. I've met a ton of people who don't know how to accept. They know how to give, but they don't have to accept. Yep. And sometimes being in that space of being able to receive is the lesson in itself. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard one to do because I know for sure with me, I've always wanted to battle it out myself, figure it out myself. I don't need your help. I'll figure it out. And that was always really hard. And I had to go through a lesson of learning how to receive and be grateful for that because I didn't want somebody to feel sorry for me. Mm-hmm. And But you're also, by pushing them away and keeping them from doing that, you're also taking away their growth that they receive from helping you. Mm. Yeah. There's something, you know, we've said this before, there's something that helps you grow spiritually when you help other people. Mm-hmm. And so when you're sitting in the space of receiving, what you're doing is you're aiding somebody else's spiritual growth by helping you. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you grow too. Yeah, but so- sometimes accepting help is really difficult. Well, that's mm, part of the yeah. spiritual growth. Yeah. You have to be able to receive and you have to be able to give. You have to be able to do both. And this kind of comes back to, you know, like we were talking about our proctors, you know, utilizing that help and stepping into that space and receiving that blessing that they're teaching mm-hmm. us and helping us through, you know, I, I, it was so hard for me to receive for a long time, but now I'm all about it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm still learning. Um, I mean, I rarely reach out. Like it's only when I, I, you know, quote unquote have to, um, because I always feel guilty accepting help and I know it's like a lesson for me to learn in this lifetime is I've never been good well do you feel like do you feel like there's some shame and well shame and just like oh you know I don't want to bother them you know there are other people who need help more than me or there's you know they're busy and you know they probably got other stuff to do They, they don't want to be messing around with me I'll manage like, like you were saying earlier, like that feeling of like, Oh, I can do it by myself. I can, I can manage. Like I do find it hard and it's something I want to change about myself. But there's an underlining feeling. And I'm just curious if you have even tried to identify with that. And to me, it's shame. Mm. And Mm -hmm. this is the reason why I didn't want anyone to help me before because I was ashamed to, put that energy out there so somebody would see me from that angle. Mm, I was fearful that they would look at me and and see something dark in me that I didn't want them to see. Mm. Yeah, it's hard. It's difficult, right? And so that means that if somebody has to help you, that means that you're not good enough. Yes. I think you, I think you nailed it. Um, I know for myself, like one thing that's hard, especially like in the context of asking for help from a proctor, like I always feel like, oh, I'm supposed to know it already. And if I say that I don't know it, they're going to think I'm stupid and shouldn't be around. Like they'll demote me like, oh, yeah, we're sending we're sending her back to, to level one. 
<laughs> I'll tell you something that happened with me and um, the Empress. Emper, the well, there's the Imperatrix. That's it. Something like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Imper- Imperatrix. Yeah, okay, she's. I don't know. Whatever. Some. She's the highest. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, every so often I'll have a meeting with her, and I remember not too long ago I had just gotten into the Orisas, mm-hmm. and. I was liking the energy, you know, that air energy. And I was feeling really good. And I was like, oh, this is so you good. Had a, lot go- a lot of projects going on. I'm feeling great. Really I'm getting this done and I'm yep. getting this done and I'm feeling really creative and I'm loving mm-hmm. this air energy and I'm just, I'm on top of the world. And she's like, uh-huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, and, and it was like, she was holding her breath and not saying anything, you know, and I could feel it, you know, I could feel that she was like either thinking, okay, you're fixing to hit by, you're going to be hit by a storm or that she was saying, you're not looking deep enough yet. Or I was putting on a show and I wasn't being true to myself. So it was like, so I sat there and I thought about that (laughs) and I really thought about it because it was the, Okay, you know that. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's good. You know, like <laughs> you know, things going to come. Anyway, when she did that, you know, I sat there and I was like, "What am I not seeing? What am I not seeing? What am I not seeing?" And I'm like looking inside of myself, saying this while I'm on the phone with her, and and I said, "Okay, well." You know, I had this situation a while back and I would like to work on this never happening to me again. (laughs) Then she started like, okay, affirming that I'm looking at an issue that I need to work on instead of going, I'm great, you Mm -hmm. know, and it was like suddenly she was proud of me. It was she was proud that I was admitting Mm-hmm. there's a problem mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? and I said look I don't, I don't want it to take six months the next time and she said mm-hmm. here's what you do you get mm-hmm. ahead of it you look at what you learned and then when it shows up again because it will mm-hmm. you get ahead of it and it has it's actually shown up a few times but it's sort of like I just sort of slid over it mm-hmm. learn from it mm-hmm. it's that thing of judgment that just keeps on like wanting to rear its ugly head in front of me, you know, and and now I'm just sort of like, okay, I think I got a handle on this. You know, you start to see that wave coming and you just turn your boat a different direction, you know, and you use all your tools to be able to overcome that. And I can say that I didn't want her to see me from that light. I didn't want her to see my darkness. Yeah, I only wanted her to say, Michelle, you're so wonderful. La, la, la. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> but she was more proud. Yeah. When I, when I uncovered uh-huh. that darkness, that shadow, and yeah. said, okay, here's a problem. Mm-hmm. And our proctors are there for us for that reason. You know, mm-hmm. they're there. That's what your teachers are there. That's what your mm-hmm. guides are there for. Those people that you're working with, your life coaches and your spiritual mm-hmm. teachers and your therapist or whatever you have your preachers mm-hmm. you know, priests you know yeah. all the things they're hel- they're there to help you grow from all that stuff to mm-hmm. move and learn how to ride those waves mm-hmm. differently 
and overcome those obstacles. So I think there's a lot that we've kind of uncovered from this. There's a lot of spiritual growth that comes from this, but, you know, kind of coming back to you and kind of looking at it, sometimes we don't want to accept that help because there's a sense of shame. I know me, it's like, I don't want you to look at me that way. (laughs) I know you, like you've got this major Leo energy of I will like, Mm -hmm. like in the years I've known you, it's always like, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. I will. And I think that also makes it harder for you to, you know, reach out for help. Which is why I appreciate you telling me that you've learned how to reach out for help because it's um, not something I'm good at either. No, it wasn't something I was good at at all. I mean, in fact, it was a bit of a struggle. I mean, it was like so embarrassing the first time that I did it because I feel like that people should be looking up to me, not looking down at me. Yeah, I'm always afraid of looking stupid. Like, that's like one of my biggest fears is, Mm -hmm. you know, because of, you know, what I do for a living, people think I'm smart. And I'm really not. I'm, you know, most of the time I feel like an idiot. (laughs) And so it's like my, you know, it's like this, this is like kind of, I think one of my life lessons is to not care so much or not, not be worried about it that people are always going to think I'm stupid. I do not think that there is anything about you that is not smart. Oh, and I can be a complete, like, uh, dumbass. So. <laughs> okay, okay. So let's look. I want to, I want to, like, get some clarity on that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's more ditzy or do you think it's stupidity? Um, I don't know. I just sometimes feel like more like airhead versus. I don't know. I feel like, you know, always like I'm slow to catch on to things. Like it takes me longer than everybody else to figure something out. You know, that kind of thing. It's like, oh, I'm just, I'm a little bit slower to catch on. Um, I'm not getting it as fast. Um, and just always like concern because, you know, there's always going to be people who are like way smarter than me. And, you know, coming up in physics, I met people who are like legit geniuses, like just totally in, you know, the upper atmosphere with their intelligence. And, you know, you, you see that and it's just like, oh, my, and I, and I know my limitations, like, well, my mind just doesn't work that fast. It doesn't work that way. And trying to tell myself, well, I've got, you know, talents and abilities in other places, you know, perhaps. But there's always a sense of like, oh, imposter syndrome. I'm not, I should, you know, I shouldn't be where I am. Like, I'm really not that smart kind of thing. It's, you know. You know what, to me, you know what this sounds like to me? It Mm. sounds to me like you're in a conundrum. Hmm. And, you know, I say that's because it's it's definitely a double-edged, a double-edged story. A double-edged sword for Mm -hmm. you because you've also expressed that, and I can't remember which podcast it was in, but we we talked about this before, but you've expressed that sometimes you're embarrassed of your intelligence Mm -hmm. and that sometimes you play it down to make Mm -hmm. other people feel more comfortable. But then you also don't feel smart enough 
And, and so it's like, you're, you're kind of caught in this conundrum. It's like, do I be smart or do I be stupid? Am I stupid or am I smart? You know, which one is it? Which way do I act? You know, I mean, I can't win. I can't win. I, I have a suggestion for you. Wonderful. What if you just be? What if I just be? Yeah, I think that's great advice for all of us, right? Kind of just yeah. be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because when I look at you, I see one of the smartest women I've ever met. I mean, when I first met you, you were so smart. I was just like, oh, my God, I have to be friends with her. She's so smart. She's so smart. I want to pick her brain. I want to dive into it. I want to, like, absorb all of her intelligence. I do remember when we first met and you found out I was doing physics. Like, you started asking me all these questions about quantum mechanics. I do remember that. I was just like, oh, my God, I got to know about quantum mechanics. I want to understand it all. Explain it to me. I'm going to be friends with her. She's going to tell me. Explain this all to me. Yeah. I, um, I, because you, you are that person. You're so intelligent. I also see, see that there's this other side of you that is so highly intelligent, but because you're so highly intelligent, you put this um, expectation on yourself mm. to be able to get things that somebody else may not be as intelligent that gets a little gets it a little mm. faster. Than you. Mm-hmm. So there's different types of intelligence. So oh, I may not have the PhD that you have. You have that, but I I may get something a little faster. Oh well, I've seen that like over and over in our um, sort of time together, which is why, you know, I gravitated mm-hmm. towards you because it's like, oh, this chick really is getting it. <laughs> you and I, got it. we're like, we're the mm-hmm. perfect mold. We're like mm-hmm. the puzzle piece that fits together perfectly. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But I mean, if you think about it, I could feel very intimidated by you. Or and I could be very intimidated by you. Right, exactly. And yeah. if you think of it as it's not my job to hold your space. Mm-hmm. And it's not your job to hold my space. It's mm-hmm. your job to be the very perfect, absolute best carry that mm-hmm. you can be. And it's my job to be the very best Michelle that I can be. And it's going to look different. And so you don't want to hold yourself up to an expectation that isn't your space. And maybe if you want to grow into something like that, you might, the more you do something, you get better at it. Mm-hmm. But there was a, there was a place in time. I'm going to tell you, Carrie, and this was because I worked so hard at it, but there was a point in time when I was in my early thirties where there was an intelligence and there wasn't that getting things mm-hmm. like there was like missing pieces in my brain. <laughs> I think we all have experienced that. I remember, I remember going to a therapist and I I think I was, it was like a late twenties, early thirties, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I was having problems in my marriage. And when I went to him, he asked me what he wanted, what I want to help with. And I said, I want you to help me get strength to be able to leave my husband. Mm -hmm. And 
so he starts peeling the onion back and as he does he starts discovering things about me that this wounded child this pain that I'm suffering and this trauma that I've gone through and as he's doing this he's opening up this can of worms right and he starts giving me suggestions on how to manage some of these things in my life and when he would say these things I felt like he was talking in French I would bring in a notepad and a pen and I would say, say it again. And I'd write it down because I didn't understand. And I would sit there and I'd say it and I'd read it and I'd say it again. And I go, mm, what does this mean? I, you know, cause I didn't know how to wrap my head around that. Mm -hmm. It didn't make sense to me. And now it seems so simple. Like one of the things he said to me was to ask for my needs to be met. Mm. And I couldn't even wrap my head around that. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it looked like. I felt like he was talking French. It was like. Yeah, this total blank. Like, what is that? What? What does it look like? Yeah. You know, oh, and I, I made him give me examples because I, I had no clue. Yeah. You know, and I'll, what I'm saying here is that there was a point where I was striving so hard, pushing so hard. And it was because of things like that, that made me want to be better. Mm. I had an employer that thought I was absolutely the stupidest person that existed oh. on earth. And he was trying so hard to either make me quit or to fire, find reasons to fire me because he thought I was stupid. And I wanted to prove to him that I was better. Mm -hmm. And I strived to work so hard to become smarter, to mm -hmm. think faster, to figure things out. I read more books than you can imagine on self-worth, on mindset, on spiritual growth, on all the self-help books that you can imagine that were available <laughs> in that yeah. time frame in, you know, in the 90s. And I, I picked them up, you know, and I remember my ex-husband saying that, he can't even imagine that I even have that much space in my brain to be able to absorb that much information. What? Yeah. Like he just couldn't, he didn't mean it as an insult. He just, mm -hmm. how do you make space for all that? Mm -hmm. Because I, I was constantly reading books and I would, I would buy like six or seven books at a time and yeah. then I would read them all. And then I'd take this huge box mm -hmm. to half the price of bookstore Mm -hmm. I trade it in for money yeah. and I take that money and I go buy some more books More books, <laughs> because I didn't have the space to be able to keep all that yeah all those books and mm -hmm. yeah so there was uh there was so much that I was trying to overcome you know mm -hmm. dyslexia is an issue that I have mm -hmm. and I was trying to overcome that <laughs> yeah and um so for me to retain something that I read or to understand it correctly was was challenging. Mm -hmm. I would see something and it would have a whole different meaning or a whole different word or a whole different. I would see that word and I would think it meant something totally different or it would even think it was something totally different because my eyes would deceive me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I pushed really hard to be a different person because I desired it really bad. Mm -hmm. and you, you know, you say you know, being a Leo, my whole thing is I will. Mm -hmm. 
Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It suits you. (laughs) I will overcome this. I will will learn. I Mm -hmm. will push and become, I'm still not the smartest chick on the block. Okay. But I will say that I try really hard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you, yeah, you, I mean, I see in you always, no matter what it is we're talking about is like this desire to learn and know more about it, no matter what, even if it like with magic, like absolutely, like you're always the one asking the questions. Um, But even anything else we talk about, like, you're always, um, again, asking questions, be like, okay, what was the name of that book? Or what was the name of that author? Tell me again. And so yeah. I told him to that. And you, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I even, even like with the Damien Eccles book, yeah. I bought like three of them. And yeah, that was just like the other day. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, he actually created a couple of rituals that I really like. I'm going to try that. And I'm yeah, gonna, yeah, you're, oh, right, you're in it. Like you dive in. I yeah. love I love that about you. It's like I one went, of my favorite things about you is just how you like just go for it. I went into my phone mm-hmm. and I earmarked some of those. I put in the timestamp mm-hmm. that he was saying certain things so I could go back later. Yep. And I was literally laying down listening to it while I was going to bed mm-hmm. and I'm listening to it. And I like sat up in the bed, turned the light back on <laughs> my phone because I was like, I have to go back to this, mm-hmm. you know, because there was, um, yeah, he did this healing energy exercise mm-hmm. for somebody that I thought was really cool. He took this light, he consumed a light and he brought it up within him and into his hand, and then he put like a cross on somebody's forehead, and then on the hands and on the feet. And he said this really nice, like you know, prayer sort of like incantation sort of thing, where he's like, "And your eyes will be open to see your own personal truth, and your feet will walk in the direction of your purpose." And, you know, something like this. And he came up with this himself. And I mm-hmm. thought, wow, you know, he's using the tools to come up with something that's really. Mm-hmm beautiful that's going to heal somebody and I'm like I love that I want to use it (laughs) I definitely get really excited about that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. you know like for me that's where I grow Mm -hmm. in that direction of Mm -hmm. doing Mm -hmm. Um, some people grow in the direction of attaining like Mm -hmm. more information more information Mm -hmm. I'm more like give me something I can use and let me apply yeah Yeah, you're definitely hands-on yeah, that. I'm very yeah. tactical mm-hmm. when it comes to that. It's like, give me something that I can use and then I'm going to apply it mm-hmm. as opposed to learning something. I'm very, very interested in a lot of like quantum mechanics, mm-hmm. but the only reason I'm interested in it is because I want to figure out how I can apply it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so if I understand the science of this, okay, I can <laughs> now understand- I can use it. <laughs> <laughs> This is what I want to understand. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I think that, um, I think that's important. I don't know. Has that helped you? Like, yeah. So I feel like we have like totally been all over the place, um, which is, you know, kind of typical of us, but <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this happens even when we just have like carrying shells all the time. It's like yeah. all yeah. over and I love it. Um, but I got a lot out of this in, you know, what I came to you for today was 
a way to, to wrap my mind around suffering. Mm-hmm. And you've given me that. And, you know, a couple things that are just that kind of surface from this, um, coming from the idea that you talked about, uh, it re- suffering is required for growth. You can't grow without suffering. But also the idea that, you know, the suffering of others is not about me, right? It's, it is, you know, beautiful to have empathy and caring for others, but it's not, it's not all about me and sort of what I can do with the suffering of the world. Well, I can pray for people. I can, mm-hmm. I can donate money. I can donate time to help people. And I can, you know, dedicate my own suffering for helping others. And so that's kind of where I'm emerging from this, maybe feeling a little less frustrated by, by Job and God and Satan at the end of the day. (laughs) I was really angry. You know, this is why I love you so much. You're so <laughs> real. You're so raw. You're so amazing. You're just so beautiful. It's mm-hmm. like, oh my God, I love it. I love mm-hmm. those raw emotions that you have. <laughs> it's so real. And, you know, I get it. I mean, it's an age old question people have said for so long, you know, if there really is a God, then why does he allow people to suffer? We, he's not allowing it. We're choosing it. And we're choosing it so that we can grow. And we come into the world with a veil of forgetting. And because if we remember who we were, then we wouldn't, then we would have all the power we needed just to move through it. We're here to learn. And when you see somebody suffer, it's an opportunity for you to give, to help, to heal. And you grow from that. And when that person suffers, when I suffer, you suffer, when the world suffers, it's an opportunity for us to learn how to receive and to be grateful from that space that we received from. So we're, so suffering is a space of learning to give and give up of something and helping others. And it's also a space of receiving and experiencing the state of being grateful. Mm-hmm. So with that, Oof. <laughs> I think that we can end that in the mm-hmm. podcast with that, with just understanding that that's the meaning of it. Mm-hmm. And if we can sit in that space, then we can grow. So you want to close this off? Okay. <laughs> right. Well, hopefully everybody listening has maybe learned a little bit about the reason for suffering and how suffering is important for growth and not a reason to take yourself away from the divine. In fact, the opposite. It's a reason to grow closer to the, to the divine. And so with that, we will talk to you again soon. Yes, we will. See you in the next podcast. Hi, this is Michelle. And I want to take this opportunity to thank you for engaging in this podcast and taking this journey with us where we are raising your consciousness. Make sure that you follow us on Instagram and on Facebook so that you can actually engage with us, ask us questions, offer some suggestions or anything that you would be willing to, you know, throw out there for us. We want to engage with our public. We look forward to hearing back from you and starting this journey. See you next time.